Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company, or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Cross Politic. Do not adjust your television. I'm your guest host, filling in for Waterboy, Pastor Toby, and Chocolate Knox. I'm Ryan Helfenbein with the Falkirk Center for Faith and Liberty here at the campus of Liberty University, where Christ is King, church is essential, and freedom is everything. Today, in the wake of the riots and protests this summer, shouts of Black Lives Matter, defund the police, and kneeling to the mob, we are seeing this country unravel in record speed. We are witnessing and have witnessed massive cultural confusion. And the church, in many ways, has been party to that confusion. Christians are literally bending the knee to the moral gods of chaos and merciless outrage. The problem today is that we prize empathy and not truth. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about the kind of empathy compelled by the gospel or the spirit of Christ, but rather a narcissistic emotion that is equally self-serving and motivated by fear. Fear of rejection, fear of missing out, fear of being judged or condemned as a hater or worse, a racist. We have lost our sense of truth and we have lost our sense of justice. What is justice? These days, no one seems to be able to define it. The Bible gives us clear definition, but we are too busy virtue signaling to pay attention. Justice needs no adjective qualifier. There is no your truth or my truth. But today we speak of justice in very subjective ways. In light of that, today we're talking about biblical justice and social justice. What is it? How do you define it? And how is it impacting our culture at large, and our local churches. This afternoon, I have the joy and privilege of being joined by the Associate Discipleship Pastor at Westside Church in Omaha, Nebraska, Virgil Walker, as well as the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You, Daryl Harrison. Also, both of you are co-hosts uh, at the Just Thinking Podcast. Welcome Gentlemen, it is so good to see you this afternoon. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on, Ryan. Well, I'm I'm telling you right now, I, I'm seeing so so much civil unrest. 
Uh, it's not shocking in one sense because the world has always been this way. Um, there's always been division. There's always been hatred. There's always been violence. There's always been corruption. There's always been cries against injustice. And I think one of the things that probably would be the most, it is the most unsettling and shocking in this current cultural moment, gentlemen, is the response of the church or churches. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing so much confusion among Christians and there's, there's, there's no lack of resourcing. The Bible itself is the ultimate resource uh, for biblical truth, of course, but so much resourcing, and yet we're bereft of biblical truth, of discipleship. Virgil, you disciple uh, men in your church. Daryl, you are a part of one of the largest shepherding uh, resources in the country uh, in terms of biblical truth with grace to you um, and uh, that ministry, and I've been blessed by that. Um, but we're here today to talk about biblical truth versus, uh, sorry, biblical justice versus social justice. And that's exactly what I want to dive in today. So let's define the terms. What do they mean? Yeah. Virg, why don't you take a stab at that yeah, first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start out by saying this. I think one of, the, one of the things, Ryan, that you bring up, it's critically important, is what's not happening. Um, oftentimes terminology is being used, language is being used, it's being adopted as, as that which we must now be engaged in, apart from any clarity about, about defining terms. And so I, I appreciate the fact that you started out by saying, hey, let's define this. Let's get, some, let's get some biblical parameters around what we're talking about. And biblically speaking, when you look at justice uh, in Scripture, when you begin from a standpoint of justice in Scripture, we've got to begin with the fact that justice is an attribute of God. Uh, that, that, that the very attribute of God that's expressed is is that he is just, that he is holy. In the, in, in the New Testament, we see the term justice as synonymous with righteousness, right? Mm -hmm. but, but, but the reality is when we, when we look at the justice of God, we have to start with God's holiness, God's goodness, the fact that he defines objectively what is right, mm -hmm. good, just, perfect, holy. And we're going to have to begin by looking at Genesis chapter 3 and understanding when things become unrighteous, un, you know, when, when mankind involves themselves mm -hmm. in sin, requiring God's justice. Mm -hmm. And so w once we begin with a biblical parameter, a biblical framework of what justice is, that's, that's, that's moral perfection as defined in the eyes of God. Mm. Uh, that's the standard. That's now the benchmark by which we can look at the rest of the world and the things that we encounter to determine what is right, just, mm. holy, and true. God is that perfect standard. No, oh, that's so good. What does it mean, uh, and, and Daryl, this is something I want to kick to you, but what does it mean that God is holy? I think that's something that we need to define as, a, as an quintessential attribute of who God is. Yeah, I think that's a great question, Ryan. And I think we, when we talk about God being holy, first of all, we have to think about that his holiness, as, as well as all of his other innumerable attributes, are innate to who he is. Amen. So God God never is in a position where he's not holy. He, he is consistently holy because that's who he is. Who, we, who you and I are innately is evidenced by the attributes, the characteristics, the behaviors that we demonstrate. That's how people know us. Mm -hmm. So with God, though, his holiness is innate to him so that he is perfect, pure, mm -hmm. righteous. Uh, the scriptures define him in terms of being light. Uh, that, 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 that speaks to his utter 
perfection um, uh, is it, such a degree of perfection that the finite mind can't really comprehend that. So I think it's important for us to understand this really goes to the question of justice as well, mm-hmm. that God's holiness is equitable in its application to each one of us. So in saying that, it's not that he expects uh, a, a, a certain degree of, uh, of uh, righteousness or obedience uh, from one person and not from another. His standard is equitable to each of his image bearers, and that can be attributed to the fact that his holiness is innate. Mm. to who he is by nature. Mm. Where does, in, in the biblical narrative, where does, and Virgil, you kind of introduced and you, you talked about it, touched on it, but where does injustice enter the picture in the Scripture's story? Yeah. Well, Matt, in, in the Scripture story in the, uh, in the Old Testament, I mean, I, mean, I, I alluded to it earlier. You're going you're gonna to begin at, at Genesis 3, and then, and then you're going to turn the page to Genesis 4, and you're going to run into mm. Cain and Abel immediately yeah. thereafter. So you're going to see injustice take place by image bearers as a result of the fall. You're going to turn to, in the New Testament, you're going to turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and, and identify the fact that, that through one man, sin enters the world, and as a result of sin, death reigns in all mankind. Mm. And again, to, to the point that Daryl made, this, 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 this lack of, of purity, this lack of holiness got to us, infected, if you will, by Adam and permeates systemically, if you will, mm. through the entirety of mankind in an equitable fashion. We've got to keep those things in mind. And it's incredibly important as we listen to the terms of the culture that we go back and re-engage them through the lens of Scripture so that we properly identify, properly categorize, and then properly apply the right prescriptions to the problems. Mm, very good. And Ryan, if I, Ryan, if I could just add yeah, something go ahead. to what Virgil said. So we're talking about, in a larger scope, right, biblical justice versus social justice. And when you think about those two terms and how we define those, I look at biblical justice as, in terms of the gospel anyway, that God uses the gospel in the world, in society, to, to achieve his righteous, his holy uh, ends in the world, all right, as it relates to our equitable treatment of one another. But the gospel achieves that by working from the inside out, mm-hmm. okay? Social justice, on the other hand, tries to accomplish the ends that biblical, gus- biblical justice achieves, but social justice approaches that by trying to work from the outside in. So mm-hmm. social justice tries to get biblical fruit or gospel fruit by working through changing structures and institutions, hoping that that will yield biblical type of fruit. But the gospel work from the inside out, from the heart. And, and yeah. so we, we society benefits by genuine heart change. And as a result of that heart change, we obey God's laws and precepts in society. Yeah, Jesus literally said, it's not what goes into man that corrupts him, right? It's, it's right. the heart itself. That's and Mark chapter the, 7. That's right. And, and, and all throughout the Old Testament, uh, circumcision itself was a symbol for what was to take place, not just the removing externally of the foreskin, but mm-hmm. the removing the foreskin of the heart, which is what Jeremiah mm-hmm. the prophet had talked about. Um, real quick, just to kind of, you know, there's never uh, enough time but I want to just real quick in the Old Testament define justice in terms of how the Mosaic law was, was first established. So you, you have the fall of man in Genesis 3. You have corruption, sin, nature. Uh, you have the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 years later, 
Moses comes along as a shepherd, deliverer, you know, uh, brings uh, the people out of Egypt, out of uh, the tyranny of slavery and and, uh, the subjugation under Pharaoh. Uh, And then they go and march into the wilderness. But at Sinai, God, in his grace, meets Moses at the mountain and he gives the law, which actually the law itself was was um, was a tutor, as Paul says later, um, to show man his utter sinfulness before God. And so it demonstrates the quintessential attribute going back to the holiness of God. But I would love to just talk about that real quick, why that's significant, um, because I think some people even look at the Torah and say they may open their Bibles, uh, gentlemen, and they might read a, a, a title heading in Deuteronomy that says social justice. They say, see, it's there. It's in the text. It says social justice. What's the Bible talking about? Well, I'll start by simply, I'll start by simply saying that, I mean, I, I love what you just walked through because it, it unpacks the, the, the plan of God, right? The biblical narrative that, mm-hmm. that, that, that God, man, his, the, the fall of mankind, sin enters the world, Christ comes and then redeems mankind. But, but a, a, I look at what you just shared in the same way uh, what Paul would do in the book of Romans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, we know that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against mm-hmm. all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness. That was clear in the mind of God from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he, he would use all of what you just described in the Old Testament to, 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 uh, to unpack for mankind our sinfulness. From Romans chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to chapter 3, verse 20, uh, Paul unpacks in, in, in very clear terms uh, how, how depraved humanity actually is. And, and it takes that long to do in the very descriptive way that it does for the mere fact that in mankind, in our human condition, we believe that we are good. You ask the you ask the average person, you know, hey, do you believe yourself to be a good person? They're going to absolutely say yes. But their comparator is always the person next to them rather than the perfect holiness of God. And so what, what we have in the biblical narrative in the Old Testament is over and over and over and over again, the use of the law for the purpose of exposing our sinfulness, our depravity, in an effort to point us to the Savior that is to come and to redeem mankind. Mm. And, here, and here's the problem, Ryan, just to build on what Virgil was just saying there. Here's a problem with today's uh, wave of social justice activism is that they see they're looking to a new kind of law to basically self-redeem. They they actually believe that by changing laws, by deconstructing certain uh, structures and then rebuilding them, that we can remake society into uh, what the gospel says can only be brought about by heart change through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, one of my favorite texts, when you talk about uh, uh, biblical injustice and justice is Leviticus 19, 15. It says, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You should not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. But when you listen to the world uh, and even some evangelical social justitians, they are giving deference to the poor. So they're saying, well, we need to get involved in these works. We need to change these laws to make society more equitable. When the gospel doesn't teach that, Christ changed the world one heart at a time. Mm. And you cannot separate the justice of God from the gospel of God. We will never achieve uh, justice in society apart from heart change that is only brought about by faith in the gospel of Christ. Mm. Amen. Yeah, let me, let, yeah. Can I add Can I add something to Absolutely. that? Absolutely. 
I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8, yeah. uh, verse 3, uh, where, where it explains the whole purpose and point of, of, of the gospel. That Again, it begins by saying that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are mm. in Christ Jesus, are free from the spirit of, uh, for, the, for the law of the spirit of life, rather, has set us free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3 is critical because what it explains is mm-hmm. what social justicians are actually trying to accomplish with additional laws right. on the book. Yeah. Right? Right. Verse 3 says, for what God has, God has done, again, this is an important portion, what God has done, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Mm-hmm. The, the, the law was able to identify sin, but the law was insufficient to transform hearts and cause us to live in a manner that, that, that social justicians and others would hope that, that, that our society is, is transformed into. It was never intended to transform hearts. It was simply a, a tool to identify how needful our hearts were of that transformation. Mm, that's so well said. I, I was just the other day, we did a podcast and we also talked about Ezekiel chapter 18, uh, where uh, literally, God is saying that the sins of the Father no longer pass to the Son, and the sins of the Son no longer to the Father. All the souls are mine, and the soul that sins shall surely die. And uh, I, I feel as though, you know, in the sense of biblical justice, we, yes, there is the Old Testament woe to the cities, woe to the nations, right? You see that. But there is this Marxian notion of collective guilt, and uh, the Bible makes it very clear that represented before God, before the judgment seat of Christ, we represent ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and so, yes, in Adam, in, in the in sort of the federal head, you know, however you want to do that theologically, we all died. That's in Romans, the imputation of Adam's guilt. Uh, but then we also have the imputation of Christ's righteousness. And so that is the gospel. God is just and he's the justifier. So he paid our debt. But we cannot pay that debt. We cannot atone for the sins of our past. Or, and, we, and, we, and we certainly can't repent of those sins, the sins of another. Um, and I just, I just would love for you to speak into that as well and that notion. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, me correct, let me correct you there, Ryan. Okay. Because according, according to today's social justice movement, yes, you can pay for your sins, the sins of someone else. Mm. And you should. Mm. And you must. Mm. And the only payment that you can make is in terms of monetary penance. Mm. Okay, it's all it, it's uh, the 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 solution, the the penance, the uh, the uh, reparation is always in monetary terms. If if you listen to the world speaking to how we can redeem ourselves and make up for hundreds of years of white oppression, uh, so yeah, let me. Cor- I just want to correct you there, brother, because actually <laughs> you can. Yeah. Uh, Pay for the sins of someone else. And if if, uh, if anyone if anyone wants to send a check, I'll leave my name and address. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, other, other, otherwise, otherwise they're just they're just virtue signaling. Ah, so. gotcha. but, well, Ryan, yeah. Ryan, on a serious note, what you're alluding to is what is uh, rather conspicuous within evangelicalism today. There right. is, and Virgil, I, Virgil no, and I talked right. about this. You're right. Often. Yeah. There is a there, there's just a level of biblical illiteracy that we're seeing right now that we have never seen. Uh, before. And what I mean by that is that we're seeing evidence by virtue of evangelicals individually and then churches collectively buying into a type of woke theology, sort of uh, the the quote-unquote social gospel that basically uh, reduces the work of Christ below 
the work of man. It's as mm-hmm. if we can redeem ourselves, right, by going into the community, into the community, and doing this, doing that, giving money to this, giving money to that, and and it's it's as if we have no concept whatsoever of why Christ came into the world to begin with. Mm. It's, it's just unbelievable to see, and it's very sad. Virgil, anything you want to comment on that? No, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you, you've coined the term sin by proxy, right? Right. I mean, we, 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 right. We've, we've, we've looked at a historic past, and we want to we bring forth the sins of forefathers and ancestors that, that, that had nothing to do with, with us and, and bring them forward. When we, we, we wouldn't even do that in our current culture. Like, I don't want to be associated with the sins of every person whose melanin count is like mine. Mm. Uh, yet, yet, yet we want to go back into Jim Crow era, into slavery era, as, as if— as, and, and again, this is this is kind of the, the Conian thought process, as if the, the the American system, the American structure, is the only framework by which we must do that, rather than looking outside of those boundaries to add to, to add to the the sin account, if you will, of what actually took place. When we begin doing that in a proper way, we have to go back and appeal to Scripture, which is which is what I quoted earlier from Romans chapter five: "Sin entered mm-hmm. the world through one man." Yeah. Uh, we've got to go all the way back to that to that account. Uh, in, in order to in order to really begin to hash things out. So. Well, I think this is a great time to let's now transition um, to let's what is social justice? I, you know, the, the biblical account of what justice is is really based on the character of God's holiness. Mm-hmm. But what is social justice in t- in the cultural term? You know, how do we find that? Yeah, I think social justice uh, is, is not a term. It's not a biblical term. I need to say that up front. Mm. Social justice is not a biblical term. As I just read from Leviticus 19.15, when you look at that text and you look at our obeisance to that text, when we obey God's precepts and commands, there's justice in society. Mm. When we disobey those precepts and commands, there's injustice in society. This is not complicated. But what, so- what social justice do, add it to the definition of what social justice is, is this sort of extra biblical misconception that there must be equity across the board. Uh, Virgil and I did a podcast episode recently uh, titled A Biblical Theology of, of the Role of Government. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, we, we clearly laid out the distinction between equal and equity. Okay, mm-hmm. there is a difference. Yeah. God's justice, God's justice, for example, in Leviticus 19.15, provides that every person, whether you're poor or wealthy, whether you're small or great, gets equal treatment okay social justice however demands equity equal outcomes equal opportunity and you cannot get equity without partiality okay Mm -hmm. and scripture is clear that partiality is sin Mm. very very good uh i i think about um you know the confusion within um Christianity, as we talked about at the beginning, and terms that are coming within the church mm-hmm. that are loaded and mm-hmm. um, are well-defined within a certain group, but then, and it's largely within the universities, and um, it's largely within uh, a group of, of honestly woke whites who mm-hmm. are the academics and all of that, and mm-hmm. they come up with this terminology, um, but I'm seeing that churches are repeating the same things now. Right. Okay, right. so privilege has been thrown around a lot in mm-hmm. um, white privilege, and you've got to give mm-hmm. up or surrender your privilege or all the other things, all the other slogans that are coming out right now. But what 
is that in terms of social justice or how it's being used right now? And those are those are Marxian ideas. Okay. I mean that 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 that's that's a social cultural Marxian idea where where you break people up into oppressor and oppressed classes, mm. and you've determined based upon the oppressor class that they have certain privileges that the oppressed class do not have. Now I. I Go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, go ahead because you 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 mentioned it. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, cultural Marxism, and then the, the oppressor oppressed. Go ahead and define that yeah. for us. Yeah, those 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 are those are. I mean, those are things that, that that come from 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 Karl Marx and the ideas around that. Those are those are those are uh, uh, communistic ideas. Those are social cultural ideas that are antithetical to Christianity. Again, we're, we're, I think the point you made earlier, Ryan, is we're adopting language from which we have no idea its source. Uh, and, and we're deaf. And, and these are ideas that are antithetical to a biblical worldview, but they're being, they're being carted into the church and we're repeating them, not knowing their origin, not knowing where they come from and not knowing the devastation that they've caused in the world already as they've been tried. Mm. Right. And so what what again, what the idea of privilege is, is it's a separation. The, the 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 idea of there are the oppressed class and there is the oppressor class. And in our culture, what we've done is we've looked at majority culture said, okay, we can identify that majority culture by lack of melanin in the skin. They're, they're, they're the white folks. And they've had an advantage that we now don't have. And so we've now placed that lens on and we've looked at all of society through that, through that, that, so, that, that social cultural milieu. And, and again, the, the problem with that is it, it negates God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it says I'm required now to bend the knee to the to the white guy who, quote unquote, has privilege rather than the belief that God is sovereign in all things. Mm-hmm. And, and regardless of the melanin or lack thereof in anybody's skin, God is going to bless me to the to the extent or degree that he that he's designed for me from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the idea that white that white uh, oppression, that that white um uh, uh, opportunities that white privilege are going to keep me as a black man back. I can't find that in the pages of scripture. I serve a God who's way more powerful, way more the, the, the God of the Bible that yeah. I serve. Amen. His hands, his hands aren't, 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 are tied behind his back on the basis of any social cultural construct. Mm. Amen. Now, right. Right. What, Vir- what Virgil has done so brilliantly right here is not only define cultural Marxism, but he's also defined critical theory and critical race theory in the same statement mm-hmm. because uh, cultural Marxism has layers to it. OK, and, yeah. and, and critical theory and critical race theory are layers within cultural Marxism. So when Virgil alludes to applying a critical eye to the culture to where the outcome of that critical eye is to blame people who look like you, that's critical theory applied in a racial or I like to say uh uh ethnic context. OK, mm-hmm. uh, so that's what Virgil has done here. You know, when you talk about. Uh, just to build on what Virgil was saying, uh, robbing God of his sovereignty. I look at a text such as Matthew 5.45, and this is what social justicians cannot stand. Yeah. Matthew 5.45 says, so that this is this is talking about, uh, this is Christ speaking, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And what, what, what certain social justicians, even within the evangelical church, cannot stand, this is what they call privilege, is that God actually blesses those who they don't think are virtuous. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't think you're virtuous enough. So I hate the fact that God has blessed you. Hence, I'm going to call. I'm going to change my vernacular there. 
I'm going to stop, stop calling it blessing and call it privilege. Mm. Okay, so that opens the door for me to be to embrace cultural Marxism, to embrace critical theory, and replace it with a not not just a new gospel, but a new soteriology. So, so we're we're talking about a brand new definition of of what salvation looks like. Mm. So, so the social gospel teaches a salvation whereby you have in order to be uh, become fully orbed, to fully embrace Christ's sacrifice on the cross, is to ensure social equity mm-hmm. throughout the world. And you can't do that again without being partial from one group, one class over another. And that is a sin. Yes. Amen. I, I, gosh, I, there is so much to uncover. And one of the things that um, is so frustrating is that right now in this, this particular moment, um, I think that the sin of empathy is what's getting away between us and preaching the word, preaching objective truth, and actually speaking truth into the situation, and and the fear of being labeled or mislabeled or being called a hater um, or or being guilty of mistreating or even worse, being called a racist. Here's what we're going to do, gentlemen. Um, we're going to we're going to quickly wrap up and, and end the cross politic episode. Um, I thank you so much for joining on. Follow the Falkirk Center. Uh, the rest of this uh, will be showcased on YouTube and on FalkirkCenter.com. Thank you so much. God bless. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining in to the special edition of Cross Politic with Falkirk Center guest hosting. If you are single, get married. If you are married, have kids. And if you have kids, train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And if they put their faith in Christ, by all means, get them baptized, spoken like a true Baptist. Until my Cross Politic brothers get back, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and go fight, laugh, and feast.